Fantastic. How are we doing tonight? So good. So good. Have a good week. Yeah, I did. It's good. I've got a good next week. My wife is in Mackay all next week. So, boys night at my place every night. <laughs> That's cool. Actually, uh, next week will be the uh, anniversary, I guess you want to call it, of uh, myself and Kat and our family being in Ipswich for 12 months. So that's pretty cool. So we've been here for a year officially next week, and uh, it's, been the, it's been one of the best years of my life, been one of the years of uh, 30, how am I, 33 this year. So that's exciting. And, uh, you know, Kat and I we were talking about this, and it's quite strange because we still feel like we're the new guys on the block, and only because... You know, we're experiencing so many new things all the time because there's so much to experience, you know, in a new place where you, that you haven't ever lived before. You know, like this morning, it was really foggy. And uh, like there's fog in Mackay, but uh, here it was like, like really dense and wet. So as we were driving, we had to put the windscreen wipers on and we're just like, wow, this is so cool. Wet fog, it's unreal. And uh, so that was cool. So we still feel new in that sense because we're experiencing new things. But, um, you know, we'll, Kat and I were talking, it's like, but it feels like because we've made some great friendships here, you know, it feels like that we've been here for ages, for a long time, and so it was good to, I guess, talk about that and, uh, you know, talk about, you know, the church and how you've uh, uh, welcomed us into your life and heart and uh, homes, and so on behalf of Kat, thank you for liking us, I guess, <laughs> and if you don't like us, too bad, because <laughs> so, I think we're staying, <laughs> so awesome. Hey, tonight I want to talk on righteousness. And I want to talk on uh, what it is and righteousness and, and, and uh, living a righteous life. I don't know about you, but, you know, so often when I hear the word righteousness, uh, I, I, I immediately think of my own life, you know, uh, me living a righteous life and, and how righteousness has everything to do with me living a right life. That's what righteousness means. Righteousness simply means right. If, you li- if you're a righteous person, it just means that you're living a right life, the, w- the way that God intended life to be. If you can live that kind of life, then you're living in righteousness. And I, was, I always used to think, you know, that righteousness was about me and about, you know, the right way that I'm living. And, you know, if I've gone a week without doing naughty things and doing bad things, you know, I've, I've lived a week of, being, of doing good things and I feel righteous and my conscience feels great. My emotions feel good because I've done the right things for six days in a row. But then I do a bad thing. And now my conscience feels bad because I did a bad thing. Now my, my emotions feel bad because I did a bad thing. But, you know, then I've done four days with doing good things. So now I feel good again, you know, because I'm living a righteous life. And now my conscience feels great. My emotions feel great. I feel happy, you know, after four days. But then I do something that wasn't right. Bad. And now I feel bad. And now my conscience, for anyone with me this morning, is it just me? Is it just me that lives a bad life? Okay, it's just the preacher. I'm preaching to myself this, tonight. Fantastic. You know. And I always used to think that righteousness was about me and my own conscience and my own feeling. Tonight, though, I want to share just a revelation that I had about righteousness and, in fact, uh, how righteousness has a far greater purpose and a far greater impact, uh, really, uh, than you think righteousness has. Uh, We're going to talk about that in a moment, how our righteousness, us living a right way, has a far greater impact than us just doing right things and making our emotions and making our conscience feel good. We'll get there just in a moment. Um, 
this whole month as a church we've been reading in the book of Deuteronomy yeah we've all been reading the book of Deuteronomy and uh, if you uh, want to follow our church reading plan you can get our church app Centro Church on the iTunes store and you can uh, download the church app and follow us with our reading but we've been reading in the book of Deuteronomy and I don't know about you but if you've been reading it I've quite enjoyed it you know, uh, getting back into the book, but so often you read books from the Torah, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, all these books uh, are from Moses, and you read them, and you think, these books just seem to be a bunch of rules and regulations to make God like you. You know, we read Deuteronomy, and there's all these do's and these don'ts, and if you do this, you know, it seems like that if you don't do what God wants you to do, then you're a bad person. You're a bad person, and God doesn't like you you know you read these books and this is what it seems like it seems that there's all these dunes and and then it's the law you know it's the law you know and if you don't do what the law says you know then there's punishment because that's what the law is you know if you speed and get caught punish fine you know and we read these books and we think this is law that the bible is law and if we don't do what the bible says bangs law there's punishment if we don't do what it says um what i discovered was that the term the law for the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, it's just a horrible translation actually of the word. It's just a wrong translation. It doesn't actually mean law, it actually means to guide. That's what it means. It means to guide or to teach. So it puts a different perspective, doesn't it, when you read books like Deuteronomy. And instead of reading them as if these are rules that if I don't obey, I'm not going to be good. Yeah? Law, I'm going to be punished if I don't do this. But if you actually read it as the Bible actually is a guiding tool, you begin to read the Bible differently. That it's not so much about I have to do this to be good and to make God like me, but actually the Bible is actually a guiding tool that even if I go off course, the Bible is there to simply guide me back on course. And now we get back into righteousness. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus and you genuinely love him and want to serve him and follow him, You know, the Bible just says that you are righteous, full stop, because of him. Because of Jesus, you are made, the Bible says, the righteousness of God. So now this gives another, doesn't it, uh, I guess, metaphor. When we're reading the Bible, we're already made righteous. You know, the Bible guides us, it it, it guides, it teaches us. And we might do wrong things, but let me tell you, when we do wrong things, that doesn't make us bad people. It shouldn't get our conscience down. All we need to do is go, okay, hang on. I just need to guide myself back and allow the Bible, allow the Holy Spirit, you know, allow God to guide me back in to righteous living, to righteous living, which just means the right way that God intended us to live. You know that your righteousness has a far greater impact than what you think. There's a man in the Torah by the name of Noah, And he saves not just his family, he saves not just the next generation, but supposedly we're here because of this man. Because of righteous living, this man Noah uh, saves his family and saves the next generation, basically saves humanity, saves creation, all because of righteous living, yeah? You know, we all have probably heard the story of Noah, you know, a guy gets a word from God, it's going to flood, so build a boat. You know, and they gets into the boating business, and then you know all the animals come on the boat, and then you know he diverts the flood. This tonight, I don't want to focus so much on the flood and all the events. What I want to focus on is this: Noah got into the boat because of one thing, righteousness, and his righteousness had a far greater impact than his own self. Cool. 
Great. Uh, in, let's get our Bibles out, I guess, tonight. And we're going to turn to Genesis 6, 5 tonight. You can get it out on your phone if you want, or it's going to be on the screen. You can follow with me. It says this. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them. Have you heard this before? The Lord was sorry that he had ever made I've, I heard this a lot as a kid. <laughs> you know, my mum would go, I'm sorry I ever made you. you know. <laughs> I brought you into the world. I can take you out of the world. Any parents have used that line before? Yeah, no, me neither. I've never, I've never used that, no. <laughs> he was sorry that he had ever made them. You can start to feel now God's heart for being separated from his creation yeah, and put them on earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing. All the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I'm sorry that I ever made them. You can start to hear the hurt that God has right now, yeah? You know, He's created us, He's created creation, but it seems to all be turning away from Him. And so you can start to feel this pain now that God has to be reconnected. But Noah, man, I love this, but Noah found favor with the Lord. So God was upset. He was going to just start over, but Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man. Everyone say righteous. Everyone go, dude, that's righteous. (laughs) Three people, fantastic. (laughs) He was the only blameless person living on the earth at the time and he walked in close fellowship with God. This morning, tonight I want to talk on how your righteousness has a far greater impact in your world than what you think it does. Once again, righteousness just being the right way to live, being guided by his word. There was one time um, uh, Kat and I were watching uh, television and uh, I had to go to the toilet Oh, sorry, this morning we learned it's called the restroom. Which I don't know what you're doing in there if you're resting. Because usually I'm not resting, especially after a hot curry. It's more called the house of horrors. <laughs> so, <laughs> so one night I was on TV and I had to go to the bath to the house of horrors. And uh, I, I walked in to our bathroom and as I switched the light on, have you ever turned the light on something and, and then there was something there that scared you and you did that, like, that weird bounce back thing? Ever done that? I walked in the bathroom, switched the light on and bang, I bounced back and you know, uh, I saw something that uh, certainly I didn't want to see. There's two things in my life that I think shouldn't exist. Number one, spiders. Number two, Liverpool fans. And so... I turned it on and there was a spider. You know, I jumped back like it was huge. It was like this big. And like it was right then. I'm like, fire out, what do I do? And so, you know, I, I did what I usually do. And I, hey, babe, can you come down here? She's like, what? I said, there's a spider in the bathroom. Can you help me? And she says, no, you're a big boy. And I'm like, okay. What good is being married then? I don't know. 
So I had to figure out how to remove this thing by myself. And so, you know, I, I just did what, I uh, grabbed my shoe, took my shoe off. And, uh, you know, I start walking up to the spider. Have you ever done this before? Like, you know, it's like you move like slowly, then it moves and you come back again. And, you know, you go up to it and I'll come back again. And I was getting nervous and then I got to it. And bang! Hit this thing. Killed it. Gone. Removed from, the, from my existence, whatever. Bang, I hit this thing. As I was coming down for the hit, and as I hit it, I felt so good, church. I felt so good. Number one, I had conquered a fear. Number two, I had dealt with this and not my wife. <laughs> right? so, bang, as soon as I hit it, though, bang, this spider poof, exploded. And thousands of all these little spiders, bang, all over the wall, all over the ceiling, on the floor, running up my leg. Ah! I ran out upstairs. Cat's like, what's wrong? I said, I think I just hit like a pregnant spider. So well, there's thousands of them everywhere. Let's leave the house. Burn it. You know, Suncorp will pay for I'll understand. <laughs> you know. So I'm like, oh man, go and fix it. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so, you know, I'd, only thing that came to my mind was, you know, like, I hit this thing, you know, this mama spider. Like, all I'm thinking is, man, these spiders are going to wait for me until I'm sleeping. They're going to come into my room, carry me off, eat me probably, you know, because I killed their mum. You know, uh, that's a very stereotypical thing to say. Could have been their dad, you know, could have been a stay-at-home dad spider. You know, we don't know. <laughs> you know, could have been anyone really. But nonetheless, someone was killed by me. Uh, and so I'm like, I don't know what to do. So, you know, I just went upstairs and I just got my fly spray. And I'm like, what do I do? So I went in there and I opened the door and this thing's infested, you know, by now they're building little cities and things. And I'm like, oh no, this can't happen. So I opened the door up, just stuck my hand in there and then just... Until I emptied the whole can, whole can of fly spray gone. And I walk in there, my, you know, caked full of fly spray. And uh, all these little spiders were dead. In Jesus' name, praise the Lord, right? Yeah, you can give me a round of applause for conquering my fear. Thanks, Sam. (laughs) I realized after that, there was two things that I could have done. I could have hit the law down and gone, this is the rules. And now you're punished. You know, you naughty spider, you shouldn't have been in here. You know, bang, lay the law down, uh, which really only caused a lot of stress and anxiety on my part. And, you know, I'm sure all the little spiders were upset that their mum had died as well, right? And so the, the, the law hurt everybody, yeah? The other thought that I had that I could have done that maybe would have been better is I could have got a bucket. And I could have got to the spider, you know, gradually. And I could have guided it into the bucket, yeah? I could have guided it into the bucket, put a lid on it, taken it outside, and then shake it violently. <laughs> no, don't do that. I would have released it into the wild, you know, so all the other animals can eat it because I'm environmentally sustainable, right? So, you know, I could have done that. I could have guided the spider instead of pinning the law down, hurting everyone and anxiety and stress and all that kind of stuff. I could have guided the spider and uh, 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 brought foreclosure to the situation without anyone getting wickedly violently hurt yeah you understand what i'm saying there's a difference between uh, the law seeing righteousness as a thing of law or seeing righteousness as a thing of guidance it's a huge huge difference and because of one man's righteousness check what out what happens 
Genesis 7, 1 says this. When everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family. Remember all. When everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family. For among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. Okay, so God says, Noah, take all your family, for you alone are righteous. I find this interesting that the rest of Noah's family, the Bible didn't say that they were righteous. All it said was that Noah was righteous. Because of Noah's righteousness, his family got to be in that place of blessing and safety and prosperity and you know what God does saves humanity they got to be involved all because of one man's righteousness there was nothing that they could do they couldn't go because of themselves but because of Noah they weren't righteous Noah was in fact we know because when they got out of the boat one of Noah's boys he was a naughty boy He was a naughty boy, right? (laughs) So we know that they weren't righteous, but Noah was righteous. And so his family got to be involved in the wisdom of God, got to be involved in the saving grace of God, got to be involved in the provision of God because of one man's righteousness. Let me tell you, church, there's a, you know, you might be the only Christian in your family right now, mum, but let me tell you, there's a purpose that you're in that family. Let me tell you, because of your righteousness, your husband and your kids, they have a destiny in God because you're there. Let me tell you, young person, you might be the only Christian in your family, but don't despise it. You know, I can't do this because I'm a, because I'm a Christian. I can't do this because, you know, they don't like, don't despise it. Know your calling that you are righteous and because you're in your family, your family is blessed just because you're in there. There is power in righteous living and it's not just to appease our own conscience, but people benefit because of our righteousness. Acts 16.31 says this, uh, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. Now, let's just talk theology for a second because uh, you can read this and go, oh, so if I'm a Christian, is everyone saved? Uh, that's not what we uh, would say. It's certainly not what Luke, I think, is referring to here. That word household uh, in the Greek is oikos. Oikos, turn to your neighbor and say, oikos. Oikos. The term is oikos, which means this. It means household. It means um, it means dwelling. It means family. What Luke is saying here is that uh, 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 your household, it means those that you have influence with. You know, sociologists say that uh, each of us have about 12 to 17 people that we have influence and they have influence over us. And it's determined by, you know, uh, those that we would spend more than one hour with a week. You know, so your friends, your family, those who you spend more than one hour with a week, that's your 12 to 17 you know, uh, people that they would be your oikos. Uh, just a side note, which is quite interesting. You know, the average time that a father spends with these children in Australia is seven minutes a day. That's 49 minutes a week, which means this, that the majority of Australian dads aren't even in their kids' circle of influence. Isn't that interesting? Hey, dad, granddad, come on, let's spend time with our kids, yeah? Young 
male guy, right? When it comes your turn to multiply yourself. <laughs> spend time with your kids. Let's spend time with our kids. Let's get in their world, right? <laughs> what this scripture is saying is this, that when you uh, get saved and when you experience the fullness of Jesus, right? That when you experience what it is to be free from sin, that when you experience what it is, you know, to, 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 to be living uh, under grace, you know, when you experience what it is to, to have uh, Christ, you know, basically replace who I am and now I follow Christ. When you experience that goodness and that grace and that mercy, you'll begin to live that righteous life. And the thing is this, all those around you will see the favor. All all those around you will see the wisdom that now you're living in. All those around you will now see how your life seems to be on a different trajectory to them and they won't help but have to ask, what's different about you? How can I get what you got? That's what Luke is saying here. He's saying that, uh, you know, when you uh, find Jesus, you know, those in your household, they're just gonna get saved. Those that you have influence with, they're just, they, they can't say no. Jesus looks too good. Righteous living looks too good. Righteous living is not about following rules and regulations. It's not about appeasing my conscience. It's not what righteousness is about. Righteousness is all about, I love Jesus so much, I'm gonna follow him and I'm gonna live in uh, 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 the way I'm gonna walk my journey in a way that brings glory to him and just the people that I have influence with, they're gonna just get saved too because there's just something different about my life. You know, the Bible says, let your light shine before men, yeah? Next one, number two, uh, Genesis 6, 8 says this, uh, you know, but Noah found favor with the Lord. It was Noah's righteousness that found favor with God. You know, God, he was, gonna, he was upset he was, he felt disconnected from creation, I guess you could possibly say, you know, but, but Noah found favor with God because he was righteous. And because of that favor, the next generation was spared. It wasn't just Noah, but it was the next generation, yeah, because of his righteousness. Um, remember, I was at the park one afternoon with the kids um, back in Mackay, and we're at the park, and, you know, my kids are playing, and I'm watching them. And then... Um, you know, in the parks, there's this bowl, and usually it's like a bright orange or a bright red bowl. It's a bowl, and it sits on a pole, and then it's slightly tilted. And what you do is you sit in the bowl, and then you fall into the gravity, and then it spins. Have you seen that, that playground equipment before? Have you seen that? Yeah, all the, yeah, yeah we've seen that. Yeah. So, this, so you get in the bowl, and because you know, it's on a tilt, you just begin spinning, and you've got to you know, stick your legs out to slow yourself down. If you pull in, then you spin really fast. Well, anyway, my kids are playing, and... I see this little kid walk up to the bowl and all I'm thinking is, no, nah, don't do it. Don't do it. I know you want to. Bad idea. Wisdom says no. Australia says no, right? Don't do it. And, uh, but this kid, he gets in. He gets in the bowl and I'm like, okay, you know, he's, kudos to him. You know, he's confident. It's good. You know, and he gets in the bowl and he starts spinning, starts laughing, having fun and I'm just watching this kid. But he begins going out of control. And he begins spinning fast. And I'm, I was getting dizzy just watching this kid spin. I'm getting dizzy. And this is going so fast. And all of a sudden I see his head, instead of being up, just go. And I'm like, okay, 
something's gone wrong, right? So I get up. I get up because I was sitting down because you'd get up if you're sitting down. I didn't get down and boogie. I got up. <laughs> I got up and I went over to the situation and by now this kid's spinning. He's tucked in this thing and just arms and limbs just going crazy. And I grabbed the, I grabbed the bowl and I stopped it from spinning. I stopped the bowl from spinning. It burnt me because, you know, it's plastic. I stopped it. And I picked the kid up and he was like lifeless in my hands. Like he was just like, he was gone. He was lifeless. And, you know, then he came back to life, you know, the power of God, amen. Pretty cool. And, and I put him on the ground. I said, mate, are you okay? And he's like, you know, stamping around and, and you know, <laughs> didn't know what to do. And I'm just holding him and looking for parents. No parents in sight. Great parenting, you know, looking for. And, you know, eventually, you know, he, he walked off and parents got him. And the parents came over and thanked me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty cool, right? <laughs> I am the savior. That's what they call me sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, what this kid didn't need he didn't need me to stand on the sideline from a distance and say, hey, just stick out your legs and you'll slow down. He didn't need me to say that. What this kid didn't need was me on the sideline saying, hey, if you just stick your bum out of the bowl, you'll flip out. You'll save yourself. This kid didn't need me on the sideline yelling at rules. Hey, kid, do this and you'll be good. Do that and you'll get out of your predicament. He didn't need me on the sideline. He needed me to interact with his situation. That's what he needed me to do. He needed me to come into his world and say, hey, let me stop the spin. Whatever's happening in your world, right? let me come in and just stop it. Are you okay? Are you okay? Let me pick you up. Let me help you out. This kid didn't need someone on the sideline yelling things at him. He needed someone to come in and interact into his world right then and there. Let me tell you, church, Ipswich does not need a church on the sideline yelling out rules. Our community, our nation does not need a church, does not need a bunch of Christians on the sideline, not getting involved, but standing on the sideline just yelling out, hey, that's, don't do that. That's not the right way to live. You're going to regret it. We'll see you next in a year on Sunday. Don't do it. They don't need a church on the sideline. Our community needs Christians interacting daily. And when we see our friends or family, the next generation in a spin, to come in and stop the spin. Hey, you're all right. I'm sure if, I, I'm sure if we asked all of us, and I asked the question, is there someone in your world, maybe in your 12 to 17 people, but even if we extended that, I'm sure if the question was, is there someone in your world right now where their life seems like it's in a spin, where it's in an uncontrollable spin? I think we would all be able to answer, yes, I know someone, yeah? Yeah who's in a spin in their life, whether it's a spin of anxiety, whether it's a spin of depression, whether it's a, a, a spin of, of, of doubt of, you know, maybe being healed of, of something, whether it's a spin of, you know, uh, bad uh, financial management. I'm sure we could all say, I know someone who's in a spin. Let me tell you, that person does not need you on the sideline just yelling out good things. What that person needs is a Christian who's living a righteous life. We know you're righteous because Jesus says you're the righteousness of God. 
So you can't use an excuse of, oh, but I did a bad thing this week. You can't use it anymore because that doesn't exist. Yeah? You or the righteousness. Just use Jesus and he'll guide you back on the path, yeah? Your conscience is clean. What our, what our friends, what our uh, people in our influence need is for us to come in and say, hey, I know a better way. Can I help? Can I help? Can I stop the spin? And let me tell you, that's where we see a regeneration of this generation. It's when we have people, when we have Christians interacting with our community, not standing on a flipping sideline yelling at good things or, you know, don't do that. We need people who are involved with our friends and our family, being involved in their life and being an anchor, yeah? Being that righteous guidance, amen? Third thing is this, what righteousness does. Uh, the, the first thing is, you know, our family. Uh, you know, there's obviously a benefit like in Noah's life, you know, his family. There was a benefit for his family. They weren't righteous, but because of Noah, they were saved, yeah? The second thing is, you know, uh, uh, the next generation, be, because of our righteous living, we have favor. And so therefore, that favor coupled with that righteousness allows us to come into situations and stop and bring wisdom and bring, you know, authority of Jesus, you know, bring, bring healing because the favor of God is on us. The third thing is this, what righteousness does. It actually brings us closer to Jesus. I reckon if I was to ask, hey, what's the, probably, you know, five things that, you want to get better at this year, you know, as, as a Christian. I reckon all of us in that five, one of them would be get closer to God or, you know, some form of, I guess, you know, enhanced uh, spirituality, if you want to call it that, um, you know. But getting closer to Jesus would, would certainly, I think, be there. You know, righteous living gets you there. Living righteously gets you there. Uh, check this out. In, Hebrew, in Hebrews eleven seven, it says this. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of a dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. This result, his family was saved. His active faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. As a result, isn't this interesting that it doesn't say that Noah was already intimate with God. Now, I probably was. That's what the Bible says. He says, though big, once, it says basically, once Noah weathered the storm, he then became intimate with God, or at least deeper. You know, there's something powerful going through storms with people, yeah? You know, my, uh, my former pastor, he used to always say to, uh, say to our staff, never miss a good crisis. What he meant by that was this. When you have fun times with people it's cool to be, it, you know it builds memories that's great but when you walk through the driest valley when you walk through a storm with people when you walk through a crisis that builds something greater you know you know there's something about walking in righteousness and desiring to want to live the right way that God intended us that when we do it you know, the world offers us so many things. There's so many times, I don't know about you, so many times in the day, things that even I see driving to work or, you know, whatever. There's things that the world wants to distract us with. And it's so easy to choose an unrighteous activity, yeah? It's so easy to think 
an unrighteous thought. So a thought that isn't right to think. It's, it's so easy to walk off the straight and narrow. And so the difficulty, the hard thing to do is to constantly daily choose to live a right life. I'm not going to pee in your pocket tonight. It is hard to live a righteous life, to constantly choose the right thing because there's so much trying to get our attention, yeah? You know what I'm saying? And so it's in that difficulty of constantly, Lord, I'm going to think the right things. Lord, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to say the right thing. It's in that constant battle that we find as Christians that beyond any encounter retreat, beyond any youth camp, beyond any church service, it's on the Tuesday and the Wednesday and the Thursday when the preacher isn't yelling at you, you know, so stop doing naughty things. It's in those times when we go, you know what, I'm going to choose to do the right thing. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you right now. And just Noah, as Noah went through the storm, it made him closer to God. Living righteously gets us closer to Jesus because it pushes us there. It gets us there. Let me tell you, righteousness is far greater than just appeasing your conscience. <laughs> it's so much great, bigger than just, oh, I've done good things now, I feel good. Let me tell you, living a righteous life impacts those around you, closest to you. It impacts their world. Living a righteous life puts favor on you. And then you can go into the world here yeah, and stop the spin. Living a righteous life gets you closer to God, gets you closer to Jesus. You want, you want to have a closer relationship with Jesus Christ tonight? Then choose every day. Be involved in the struggle of what it is to live a right life. And I tell you, you're going to find yourself closer and closer and closer to Jesus. I love what, Ale what, what, what Ezekiel says. He says this, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched, this is, sorry, this is God speaking, Ezekiel wrote it, but I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. This is God. I want to, God was wanting to protect the righteousness of the land. And he needed a righteous man to stand in the gap, but he found no one. Let he never say that about Ipswich. Let he never say that about your family. Let he never say that about your university, about your school, about your workplace, about the employees that you employ. Never let him say those things about the world in which we live and have influence over. I don't know about you, but my prayer is that I would be that gap in the wall. That at any moment of the day, if Christ, if Holy Spirit needs a righteous person to interact with the world, let it be me. Use me, Lord. I'm here. Use me. I'm here. Let me tell you tonight, church, you are the righteousness of God. Therefore, you are in that wall already. There's purpose and power for your life. Amen. Amen. Let me just pray for you. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just, also just, just want to pray for you. Holy Spirit. Lord, right now I speak over every single person here. 
I thank you, Lord, that you've called them into righteousness. I thank you, Lord, that you've called me into righteousness. Lord, you've called our church into this. And Lord, as we uh, uh, be involved in that struggle of choosing constantly and consistently to, to live right, to think right, to speak right, to act right. I thank you, Lord, that favor. I thank you, that blessing. And Lord, I thank you, that wisdom, Lord, is going to be on our lives. Lord, as opportunities come, Lord, give us the, uh, the, uh, the strength. Lord, give us the confidence, Lord, to not let any opportunity pass us, Lord. But give us, uh, Lord, that, uh, I guess, that desire to, to step out of the boat, Lord, to step out of the boat when being called and begin to walk on water. Lord, where we would step out and begin to minister into our generation. That we would step out and begin to interact Lord, with those around us. Lord, give us, Lord, authority to stop the spin in people's lives as we pray, Lord, for our friends and our family. Lord, give us words of knowledge. Give us words of wisdom, Lord.